On the tenth day of Christmas, my sport blocks into me. So ten lords are leaping today, Stewie, which can mean only one thing in this summer of cricket. Ten facts about the Lord's Cricket Ground. You've taken this one on board. You've got a nice little list there. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I can see your list, so I know you've done the work. I've created ten facts about Lord the Singer. I am Lord, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> about Aaron Lord. Really yeah. much. Yeah. No, you are right. I have indeed had a very, very good look at Lords. There are some really interesting things that I didn't know. Look, I think a few of these things you might have heard of. There'll be, hopefully, for even the purists, maybe one or two things you go, wow, that's really, really interesting. One thing that I do want to talk about, though, just quickly before I get into this list, I had a look at the results at Lord's Cricket Ground for Australia and England. Guess who has a higher winning percentage? Oh, we dominate. We love Lord's. <laughs> we play really well at Lord's, yeah. So England have won 57, drawn 51, and lost 35 of their 143 matches at Lord's. So we're talking about a win percentage of less than 40, a draw percentage of just over 35, and a loss of just under 25%. Australia, on the other hand, have won 18, drawn 15, and lost seven of the 40 matches they've played at Lord's. Now, I will also mention that's not all just against England. There have been a couple of games played, I think. World Test Championship. Yeah, World Test Championship. There was a South Africa game in there. Some I don't know why, but... Probably during apartheid, I think. That would make sense. Yeah. So the winning percentage is 45, so it's about just over 5% higher than England's. The draw percentage is 37.5, which is about 2% higher than England. And the loss percentage of 17.5, which is about 7% less than England. There you go. So there you go. We actually have a higher percentage of wins and draws at Lord's than England do. I did know it was the ground the Aussies love playing. Well, in modern history anyway, modern times. Yeah, Smitty yeah. likes playing there. Right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to rattle off some interesting things. I'll get your thoughts on each of these as we go. And oh, it's a bit of a bonus fact there at the top, was it? That was a bonus oh, fact. Oh, there you go. All so right. It's correct. actually 11 laws. <laughs> no dear. 11 pipers piping. That's tomorrow. Yes. You can probably guess what that's going to be. Anyway. Even though I already know, my mind went straight there. <laughs> All right, so fact number one, the current Lord's Ground is actually the third such ground named after the founder, Thomas Lord, in that location. Okay. So the original was built about a mile away in what is now Dorset Square, but Lord had to relocate in 1810 because of a dispute about rent. So he didn't want to pay the money, and he moved. The second ground opened a year later in 1811. It's referred to as Lord's Middle Ground. That lasted until 1813 when Lord had to relocate again because the land was requisitioned for the cutting of the Regent's Canal. Ah, there you go. So they've they've had to move it twice. They finally settled on the current location in 1814, some 24 years earlier than the second oldest cricket ground in the world, which is Trent Bridge. So even though they've moved twice, the current location is still that right, much, yeah. much older than <laughs> the home of cricket. It's, it really is. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Now, have you been there, by the way? No, I haven't. I haven't had the, the pleasure. I've been to the Oval, but not to Lords. Yeah. yeah, no, I've, I mean, we'll hopefully be in London next year, but I don't know whether I can talk the wife and kids into, you know, come along, let's go. They just some... walk around the ground, yeah. just the outside, if I nothing else, see the weather vane. Yeah. I reckon that's probably about the best chance I've got. Now, Nath, we have some recent history involving the long room. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you remember. Yes, of course. Yes, those fake names that were uh, presented, those guys that supposedly got bans after the uh, the Johnny Bairstow incident, of course, and the Alex Carey stumping and all that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah modern... And Uzi had a bit of problems with, with someone. He did. He did. Yeah. But, yeah, it all comes down to Johnny Bairstow, modern family mashup. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> Seriously, if anyone hasn't done this, have a look at Cam and well, I can't remember the couple's name. Oh, God, I haven't watched it for ages either. Yeah, the same-sex couple. Same-sex couple. Yeah. If you mush their faces together, you get Johnny Bairstow. I'm, so, I'm telling you right now. 
Anyway, so something I didn't know about the long room is you can actually hire it out for private events. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, it's one of those places that is that fancy. It doesn't really list prices. It's one of those send an inquiry and oh, right. probably send you a bill for a thousand pounds or something. So I'm not 100% certain on the exact pricing. Probably a thousand pounds just to get an audience. Yeah. 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 But there actually was an event in October. They had a GQ chef of the year, a guy named Gareth Ward, for any culinary fans out there. It did have an entry level that was a lot lower than I thought. 250 pounds or around about $470. So okay. it's a little bit more affordable than I thought it might have been. What if there's been a few wedding receptions go through over the oh, years? Could you imagine yeah, how yeah. Could that be? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, that's like my girlfriend saying I should get Damien Martin to marry us. Well, not just saying. Careful what you wish for. It's yeah. Happening, well, no, she's now. Well, no, I haven't even asked him yet. I thought you already had. No, I've got his number. I haven't. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't got around to it. Well, we don't have a date yet. So, anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's fair. <laughs> yes. How dare we go off on a tangent? That that never happens on the sport bikes. No, I thought that was a pretty cool thing. Now, the third one, Lords, as we know, is the home of cricket. However, there've actually been multiple other sports played on the ground. So there have been a couple of baseball games played. So in 1874, there was a match between the Boston Red Stockings and the Philadelphia Athletics, which drew 5,000 people. The Red Stocks winning that 24 to 7. I like what you did there. Thank yep. you. Thank yep. you. Very good. And during World War One, Lords was actually home to a baseball match between the Canadian troops and Americans living in London. Ah. So there you go. Okay. That was actually done really, really cool cause to raise funds to support Canadian widows and orphans from the war. So... It did have a really good cause. I think there was about ten thousand people that rocked up to that one. So hopefully a few Canadian turn up, yeah, 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 a few Canadian dollars back to obviously support those uh, those poor women and children who lost their fathers and husbands. So yes, they've also had field hockey, archery, tennis. I was going to guess hockey. Yeah, yeah that, that yeah. would have been a good guess. Lacrosse, even lawn bowls and billiards. Okay, I was going to guess croquet maybe or polo. Pol- oh, polo, the ground to get yeah, chopped up. Polo yeah, polo maybe not, but, uh, but no, uh, croquet okay. definitely is a is a decent guess. I, I actually wouldn't have been surprised if that was in there and maybe just didn't make the list that I saw. So there you go. Now, Nath, can you remember what the lowest score on the ground is? Oh, bloody hell. Not yet. Did you have a bloody hell in here? No, no, no. <laughs> no. We're recording a lot today, so we're we, going to we, And we're not recording in order either. We've just done number eight, and now we're on number ten. Uh, oh, no, I won't even guess. That's but. all right. So it's 38 by the Irish. Sure. Yeah, okay. Ah, oh, yeah, okay. Now, this was a really, really interesting match. I actually have watched this a couple of times. This is the first time that the Irish had played a test against the Poms in England. They bowled first, and I tell you what, Tim Murtagh absolutely tore the top order apart. Five for 13. They bowled England out for 85. And I- oh, yeah. I vaguely remember this. that. Yeah. So how long ago would this have been? It was probably a decade ago, was it? I do vaguely remember this. And I remember us going, holy shit, it couldn't happen, could it? And it didn't. No. <laughs> I didn't actually write down when it was. I think it's probably, yeah, 2015-ish, something like that. But uh, I'll tell you what, England were lucky. They were 7 for 43. They were actually really lucky to get to 85. It was a little bit of a, a wag from the tail of sorts or... Certainly a whack when you compare it to being seven for 43 anyway. Mm. And you sort of did. You think, oh, you know, what could they do in response? And they actually made 207. So not a bad effort for their first batting innings on English. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So they did really well. England did come out and made 303. They actually had a very famous 92 from Night Watchman Jack Leach. I remember that too, yes. So he opened the batting. He kind of saved the day, yeah. He really did. Yeah. And so they set Ireland a very meagre 182 for the win. And unfortunately, they were bowled out in the second quickest time, just 94 balls 
for 38. Oh, dear. Yes, England only used two bowlers in that, actually. Broad was uh, four for 19 off eight overs. Chris Woke, six for 17 off 7.4. Not a great day for the Irish. Mm. Now, in case you're wondering, the highest score on the ground was Australia's six declared for 729 oh, in 1930. Bradman? Just a lazy 254 yeah, for the Don, I yes. I so, yeah. Jeez. Get this, Australia's first three partnerships in that innings, 162, 229, and 192. Jeez. Very, very good start. Sure was. Now, the highest individual score in a test at Lords is, Woody, I'm giving you three seconds to come up with an answer. It's Brian Lapra, isn't it? It's not, no, no. So it, it is a, an Englishman. Oh, okay. Think about the uh, bit of skin between your balls and your arsehole. Graham Gooch. It's Graham Gooch. <laughs> 333 by Graham Gooch against India in July of 1990. This is the only triple century at the ground in tests. There have been 18 double centuries, half of which are by foreigners, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That includes Graham Smith's 259 in 2003, which is the highest score by a non-Englishman. Our favourite, probably Steve Smith's 215 in the 2015 Ashes. Oh, so good. Although Ollie Pope's 205 off 208 this year against Ireland was pretty special as well. Oh, he's a, he's a very impressive young player up and coming, yeah. Absolutely. Now, the slope of the outfield. Yes, the famous Lord Slope. The famous slope. So what fact are we on here, by the way? This is number five. Number five, okay, yep. Now, do you know, without looking at my screen, how big the slope actually is? Oh, uh, I'd say, let's say 12 degrees. I don't have it in degrees. I've only got it in feet. Damn, okay. <laughs> so it's eight feet and two inches. 12 is a good number, though, because there's actually only 12 people in the history of the world, and one of those is said to have lied about his height, that are actually taller than that. Yeah, right. Okay. So Robert it, Wardlow or Robert, whatever it is. Robert Wardlow, eight yeah. foot 11 is the all time. Yep. So there have been a few discussions about leveling it. Apparently, it would take about five years to do so. I don't see how it would take five years to shovel in a bunch of sand and put some grass down. Oh, you obviously haven't had a builder do anything for your place anytime recently. That, this is true, actually. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I've actually written they're probably using the guys that are doing the extension on the freeway over here in Perth because <laughs> that's taking a long time. But, uh, but yeah, it is a very, very significant slope. And doing a bit of research for this, it was quite interesting sort of hearing how different batters and different bowlers found the slope to be either advantageous or a, a real challenge because the ball might be shaping away from them or whatever it happened to be. So, yeah, it's it's a really, really big thing. It's astonishing that they made that error when they did the ground, isn't it? That's yeah, probably is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Now, number six. Lords is home to the world's oldest sporting museum in the world. That's not the fact, though. Well, it is a fact, but it's, it's not, a good fact. But it's not the the reason I'm bringing this up. Okay. It probably contains one of the more unusual items, though, a ball with a dead sparrow mounted on it. Okay. Yeah. So in 1936, during a match between the Marleybone Cricket Club and Cambridge University, Indian Jahangir Khan bowled a ball which struck and killed the sparrow mid-flight, kind of like that Randy Johnson pitch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or in the the Big Bash, you remember that final with the seagull being oh, hit. <laughs> That <laughs> bloody seagull. Uh, now, for some ghastly reason, they decided to mount the bird onto the ball and chuck it into the museum. Okay. Very, very random. It is. What's even more random is that it has left the museum only once to attend an exhibition of famous sparrows. With Rory? In the natural... <laughs> Rory Sparrow should have been in there. This was at the Natural History Museum in Rotterdam in 2006. Could you imagine saying, oh, 
there's a famous sparrows exhibition. Let's yeah, well, the Dutch do play cricket, so you True. know, I guess, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love a famous sparrow exhibition. Bet you any money, people are like, oh, I bet Captain Jack Sparrow will be there. Oh, nice. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, go yeah. and check it out. Yeah, so yeah, standing that, next to Rory. Yeah, that is a as uh, a very random one. Now, fact number seven: What is the most famous item that remains at Lords at all time? What the ashes themselves? The, yeah, yeah. I, was, I nearly said the weather vane. The, but, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, it is the urn that holds the ashes. Did you know, though, that the MCC has them insured for a sum of £6 million? Yeah, right. Yeah, Lloyds of London, probably, I'm guessing. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I, to be honest, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you'd told me a higher figure than that, actually. But when you think about it, like, it's an... Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's not a lot to... It's a lot of money, obviously, for insuring... Insured for fire, Demi? Oh, dear. I wonder if it's insured against rain. Mm. You get a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah, not yeah, Manchester, yours, though. But... Yours was better. Yeah. <laughs> Now, moving on to number eight, there is a painting or at least a reprint of one in the museum depicting the England-Australia match from 1896 there. Now, in this painting, there's a lady in a yellow dress who isn't actually watching the match. She's basically looking towards where the painter, I guess, would have been. Now, well, a little bit of a pose. Well, it's, it's funny you say that. Now, she is a lady named Lily Langtree, who was a well-known stage actress at the time. She was also involved in a three-year affair with the Prince of Wales. Oh, mm. okay. Albert Edward, later known as Edward VII, both of whom were married at the time. And she has a very long list of basically going after very, very rich guys. Oh, and, I see one of those. Oh, and I ain't saying she a gold digger. But uh, she ended up in Monte Carlo. So <laughs> she did very well for herself over the years. And, but yeah, just I thought, you know, how interesting that they would paint that. It's you know, kind of again, this is a, a really random thing to think of, but it reminds me of that Mark Jackson basketball card where you had the those two guys that murdered their parents in the background. Oh, yeah, the Menendez brothers. Or something. Yeah, yeah, something, yeah. something Spanishy. Yeah, yeah. There's a few of those. Yeah, yeah. sitting front row. Yeah, where you just yeah. have like this depiction of some action, and you go, "Oh wow, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are those guys yeah, doing?" Yeah, yeah. She does one doing the rounds at the moment, a Jamarant rookie card that has these two guys in the background who apparently are like massive thugs. Yeah, okay. And so everyone's like, oh, what's this all about? All right, moving on to number nine then. <laughs> so streaking's not quite as prevalent as it used to be, but the first guy to ever streak at a test match at Lords was a guy named Michael Angelo. Oh, there you go. Unfortunately for him, he didn't have close to the same physique as Michael Angelo today, <laughs> but he did manage to get right to the middle and hurdled over both of the stumps. Didn't knock any of the bales off on the way through, which is... Uh, Maybe something to be said about the guy, or maybe no, it's like Michelangelo's dad. Yeah, well, that's true, actually. Yeah, they apparently back in those days having a small willy was a sign of they would intentionally make them smaller on sculptures mm. for modesty or something. Yeah. yeah, no, apparently it was it was considered to be quite a good feature to have a small willy. Oh well, God, I was born in the wrong. Yeah, spot. what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And number ten, this is one that I actually really like. Lords is the only ground in the world that permits adults to bring their own alcohol into the ground. Wow. Mm. Okay. Cool. Thought that was very cool. Yeah, now, obviously, you can't go absolutely mental. So, for any matches outside the Vitality Blast and the Hundred, yeah. that's why you can't bring booze in for those because it's already vomit worthy. Yeah. Well. Fact. Yeah. Yeah. But no, spectators. Hundred can, can get fucked. It, it can. It can. Anyway. Yep. So for any matches outside of those two, spectators can bring in either one bottle of wine or champagne with a maximum of seven hundred and fifty mils, or two cans or bottles of beer or cider with a maximum of 500 mils each. Bring in the scrumpies. 
Bring the scrumpies in, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I think there has to be an alcohol content below about oh. 18% or something. So <laughs> maybe not. Or they can bring in two cans of pre-mixed aperitifs with a maximum of 330 mils each. So there you go. There you go. All the more reasons to go to check out Lords. Go in and get your buzz on at Lords. Indeed. What would? So oh, that was great, sure. I learned a lot there. Oh, look, hopefully, even as I say, the biggest cricket aficionados might have learned one or two things. I'm sure they would have, absolutely. If not, there's culinary information and information about the freeway here in Perth. And this there, is, there is this information about a guy's nuts nearly hitting the stumps. All right. Well, let's... there's your lords are leaping. There's your lords are leaping. Perfect. We'll end it there then. I'll see you tomorrow. And by tomorrow, I mean right now when we record the next one.